We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is up, Roto-Grinders? Dean here. I am not Britt. Britt Devine is away on vacation. He'll be back next week. This is the Prime Point Show, week number seven, joined by Graham Barfield, as always, as well as Jake Tribby. Graham and Jake, thank you for letting me uh, jump in and join your show. Uh, Going to be fun. Looking forward to it. I've not uh, Usually, I wait until Wednesday to fully dive in. It's a Tuesday night, so it's a little bit early for me as far as diving in on NFL on Tuesday. And of course, a lot can change, but we're going to do our best to cover, you know, DFS, some sports betting, some prize picks, some underdog, a little bit of everything. Jake, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, thanks for letting me jump on here and uh, play the role of Brit. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're super glad to have you. Uh, had some technical difficulties this week or last week, so I'm sure this week will uh, we'll get significantly better. But yeah, just excited to be back, excited to talk some ball with uh, you know, two, two really great sports minds. Yeah, we're going to do our best to, to talk about uh, how excited we are as far as week seven. We were talking about a little bit pre-show. It's the old uh, lipstick on a pig, however you want to say it, but it's it's pretty rough. Uh, chicken salad slate, a 10-game or 10-game main slate. Uh, a lot of teams on by, six teams on by this week. Carolina, Cincinnati, Dallas, Houston, the Jets, the Titans. 
the most fun, the greatest game on the board is not even on the main slate for DFS. We'll be watching on Sunday night, Miami versus Philadelphia. But yeah, Graham, we're going to do our best to, uh, you know, to to have fun and uh, get some winners for the people and break down uh, some angles for week uh, week number seven. Welcome to the show as well. Yeah, man. Good to do a show with you. Uh, this is awesome. Yeah, this is a really brutal 1 p.m. slate. Like uh, all the games have totals under 42. Uh, four of the six games have totals like under 39. I mean, it's, this is like a week 18 early slate, just just brutal. And then on top of that, we have like so many injury notes. So we're going to, you know, like you said, we're going to try our best for this uh, for this show. Uh, there is a couple of spots that I think we're all in on. So, yeah, should be fun. Do you have a Graham? Do you have any data as far as why points are down this season? They are down, right? I feel like I've heard this, I've seen this. At least uh, totals are down as well. The biggest total on the board, at least as far as the main slate's forty-eight and a half. There are four totals yeah. under thirty-nine and a half or under forty at least. What's uh? Is there is there something we can point to? Is it small sample stuff? We have six weeks. Why why are points down? Why can't we find thirty-two competent quarterbacks? There are seven billion people on the planet. Why can't we do this? Why can't we figure this out? What's the issue? Yeah, it's a it's a lot of different things. So this week, you know, just broadly, the average total is 42 and a half. Uh, that is like really, really low. In general, it's usually around 45. So just right off the bat, we're already seeing, you know, two and a half point decline. Last week, there was only, I think, 43 offensive touchdowns on Sunday, which is one of the lowest we've ever seen on a Sunday. Obviously, I had a couple of teams out on by. I think it's it's a number of different things. I think some of it is like, there's actually six to seven really good defenses right now. Um, Dallas, Cleveland, uh, Buffalo, um, right off the top. I mean, some really, really good defenses that are actually uh, ones to be afraid of. Jake, you and I say this every every single year, but like there's usually only a few to be afraid of. But like there's there's now like multiple. The Niners are great. Lions look like they're really coming on. So like there's eight to nine. Uh, strong defense is six to seven really good ones. And then we were talking pre-show. I mean, you know, the Chiefs are a team that we were always betting on to have explosive plays. Those have been completely zapped just by personnel and their offenses. So, you know, it's a, it's a long way to say. I think this year, though, there's there's a some definite signal to say that defenses are in general better. And, you know, unlike in previous years where maybe there were two to three matchups that we were afraid of every single week, like I think that's doubled now. So I, I think that's it in a nutshell. And then you mix in this week, man, there's so many quarterback injuries, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, might not play this week. You know, the bears are gonna be going to, to badgent, uh, I think again. So man, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a rough week seven for sure. feels like week 18. Can, can I make a confession? I've never heard of Tyson badgent ever until I saw him trot out last week. And I watch a lot of the football. Um, yeah. And by the way, does anybody know top of the dome, uh, what college he went to? Because I I never heard of him. You guys know you guys college guys. Uh, I didn't know this college existed for the record. Uh, Shepherd, no, I, I have... Shepherd College. Yeah. Anybody? Oh, Anybody, uh... was he a? Uh, that's a D two, right? Yeah. I don't know Shepherd University. I guess it is, but I think it's in West Virginia. Yeah. But again, this is not me showing off. This is just me using the Google. Uh, like <laughs> I never heard of this person, and he's probably going to be quarterbacking once again. That's probably part of it too, right? Injuries and. The, uh, the talent pool for quarterbacks taking a big hit as well. Jake, if you have a thought on that, by all means, feel free to add to that conversation. But general takeaways, you know, from week six, what do you have for the people? Yeah, no, I mean, I think Graham really hit the nail on the head in regards to scoring. I know that we talked about that a little bit uh, before our week one show um, because that's been a you know continuous trend here. And, you know, a few things that I just wanted to add was that, 
you know, we've seen the most efficient rushing attacks in NFL history over these last few years. I mean, the, the league peaked uh, all time in yards per carry at four and a half last season. And, you know, I think the ground game just gets more and more effective as defenses go towards more, uh, you know, two high safeties, which forces shorter throws. We've seen that a lot, um, especially with the team like Kansas City, who really isn't throwing downfield much anymore. It's just a lot of, you know, a lot of motion, a lot of trying to set their guys up in space. Um, and yeah, and you combine that with teams going a little more run heavy, especially with the, um, you know, the increase in rushing quarterbacks. I think, you know, I think it makes sense the scoring's down and it might be a trend that we continue to see over the next few years, unfortunately. Uh, my takeaways beyond that, though, Bengals had the highest pass rate over expectation of the season in week six. We knew Joe Burrow was back, but this is, I mean, pretty extreme levels of back for Joe Burrow. Last year, they they also ramped up their pass rate massively, had a double-digit pass rate over expectation in eight of their final 12 games. Joe Burrow averaged 25.7 fantasy points per game in those contests. Um, so, you know, that probably means Jamar Chase is undervalued, but it definitely means going forward that T. Higgins will be undervalued, especially for DFS. Mm-hmm. He's going to come in way too cheap off of the injury. And I don't know if people are going to be super anxious to play him, but I know I will with Burrow chucking the ball this much. And then Beyond that, I mean, this Cowboys rushing attack is just fundamentally broken right now. Tony Pollard with just two yards per carry last night against PFF's second-worst graded run defense. He's 51st right now of 53 qualifiers in missed tackles forced per attempt. And that's a stat that Tony Pollard has always crushed in. Um, it makes me wonder if, you know, the broken leg that he suffered in the playoffs against San Francisco last year, you know, is, is drastically impacting his efficiency. I know some people on Twitter might say, oh, it's because of the, the larger workload, but... This just isn't the Tony Pollard of old. This, you know, we're looking at a different guy. It seems like that's actually what I was going to say. I was going to be the person on Twitter saying, "I'm like, I'm not sure what it is." I was going to ask, and maybe the increased role uh, should take a hit as far as the efficiency. Asking the touch the ball 20, 25 times, but uh, yeah, that is really, really weird to see as far as Pollard. And I guess he was kind of bailed out last night by that screen that went for. A, I guess it wasn't even a screen; it was just kind of a scramble play, what a 60, 70 yarder or so on the reception end, but. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, I have a takeaway. I'm going to hold mine for a second. It's not actually, you know what? I'll fire it off. It's not really actionable uh, this week because uh, fire off Houston, the take, Cannon Dean. Yeah, That's what we're Houston, here for. Houston is on by, and uh, so I just had this general thought. You guys remember where all of us uh, speaking of Twitter? Twitter was dunking on Houston. Ah, they, they blew the number one pick by beating Indianapolis in a completely worthless game last year, and you know, rightfully so. Like, what are you doing? Lose the game, tank the game, and like, even they scored in the last play, like the very last play. Just take a knee. Let's have some fun with it. But no, uh, they they go out there, they score a touchdown, and they lose the number one pick, and that's the best thing that happened to that organization because they did not have the right to draft Bryce Young, and they fell into C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud, man, he looks legit. He's he's the guy there in Houston the next five or ten years, and you know. These teams, it takes 15, 20, 25 years for some organizations to find. This is our quarterback. This is our guy. This guy's got a chance to crack the top five for quarterbacks the next so many years. And, you know, shout out to Houston. And, and this has nothing to do with what happened, what's happened with Watson, what a disaster he's become so far. But uh, the organization, what a massive step forward, kind of fell into it. But sometimes, you know, silver lining, it just sort of works out. Uh, I don't know where they were at as far as Stroud versus Young. Who knows? But yeah, uh, that's, that's just amazing. I think uh, – where Houston is positioned going forward, Stroud is. I assume. Do you agree? Are you on top of that, uh, Graham? As far as oh yeah, you think yeah, Stroud's yeah. just like he's he's going to be a guy in the league for the next ten years and possibly top five quarterback. Yeah, we're all we've been all over that. I think Jake and I've been betting Texans all year, and I think in general it's it's a really interesting thing. So like you like you said, you know the Texans yes should have lost week eighteen. 
The Panthers, I think they wanted Stroud, man. I think Reich wanted Stroud. Yeah. The, the betting markets had Stroud as like the heavy, heavy favorite in March. I think Reich wanted Stroud. I think the new coaching staff wanted Stroud. And then their owner came in, the Panthers owner came in and, and wanted Bryce Young. And that's since ended up with Stroud. They ended up with the best quarterback in the draft, even though they lost week 18 or one week 18, typically losing the, week, the, the first pick. It's just wild how this has all turned out. I mean, not to say Bryce can't turn it around. I mean, obviously he can. He's very talented. But Stroud, man, I mean, he's, he's checked all the boxes from week one. I mean, it's it's been phenomenal from him. Wasn't there like an insinuation? Was it right that kind of implied like what you're saying here as yeah. far as the owner essentially stepped in? Yep. Uh, kind of threw under the bus. He's very hands-on. I can't remember the phrasing he used. I remember seeing the quote, and it there was an implication that like, you know, and not great for the locker room. Like, we don't really – if only we'd have taken my guy. Um, yeah, but. I saw that press conference. Reich looked defeated. He was like, yeah, this is like, you know, he just wants – you know, he wants a lot of input. He's very, you know, he's very opinionated, so – yeah, it's a, it's it's a little bit of a mess in Carolina, that's for sure. Houston, on what the is, other hand, like you said, they look. Houston has a legitimate chance to be a really good competitor in the AFC South for a long time, just because they nailed Stroud. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and they backdoored it, however you want to say it. They got him. That's all that matters, I suppose. Scoreboard. It. Yeah. Uh, Graham, what do you have as far as your uh, your takeaway this week? Yeah, two quick takeaways for me. You know, we're <laughs> trying to find good running back plays. Uh, you know, and, and this week there's just been so many injuries, and a lot of teams are shifting towards more committees. Uh, meanwhile, Ken Walker is just consolidating out of the bye. He's consolidating touches uh, out of the bye. I kind of thought maybe they'd get Zach Charbonnet, the rookie, a little more involved. No, didn't happen. Uh, Ken Walker's uh, 75% snap rate out of the bye, season high. Uh, you know, I think big thing for him and the big question we have for him going into the season is, is whether or not he would get all the red zone work. And he has that in spades. He has 16 carries inside the 10. Uh, Tony Pollard is the only running back with more at 17. Last year, Walker only had 16 carries inside the 10 the entire season. So to me, this week, Walker is a, another really, really strong play. I was on him last week. Didn't have a huge, huge ceiling game uh, against the Bengals. That that second half kind of died. Uh, and I think we're going to talk more about Isaiah Pacheco in the DFS segment, but he's consolidating too, man. I mean, and he has so much upside in this Chiefs offense. I'll, I'll save the Pacheco talk for uh, the DFS segment because he's. I think we're all in on him on uh, at 6100. But yeah, uh, Walker and Pacheco to me, you know, stand out as as two plays. Just it's Tuesday, but but two plays that are really strong at running back right now. You're uh, you're talking about Walker, by the way. Just a general thought, you know, they're coming out of the bye there in Seattle and. We saw, I'm pretty sure JSN got a big increase as far as his, uh, he did. you know, but as part of that, I kind of, the other part of it is how much that had to do with Metcalf, uh, Metcalf getting hurt. And then a, a, a deeper conversation is, I guess we'll kind of dig into it later, maybe, two teams coming off by, uh, it's Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Do we expect anything drastic, like general rules, like some teams do it, some teams don't, but a lot of times that's when teams will make, uh, you know, organizational changes. Uh, are you expecting anything as far as those two teams? Uh, shifting coming out of the bot. Yeah, every team is a little different. That's why I was I was interested to see what Charbonnet's role would be. JSN actually finally got some downfield targets last week because ADOT was like the lowest in the NFL besides Kadarius Tony uh, going into that game. So it was good to see him kind of get a few more downfield targets. I think uh, the Packers might move on from AJ Dillon. Like that that would be my hot take. Hopefully Aaron Jones is healthy, but um, you know they they're moving on from Patrick Taylor. Um, if Aaron Jones is healthy, I think this is going to be his backfield. They're, they're making some moves in their backfield. As for the Steelers, I mean, 
it's just whatever Kenny Pickett turns into. I think at this point, he's had, you know, one really good game and a great matchup against the Raiders, and he's just kind of looked not so great by all the advanced metrics at Fantasy Points Data. I mean, he's like probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL by completion rate, uh, under expectation, by catchable throws from a clean pocket. Um, you know, I think that's the one thing we're, we're going to be watching with the Steelers. You know, it'll be good for him to get Deontay Johnson back. seems like Deontay will be full go. Uh, he's their like one guy who can separate, you know, Pickens, I think is, is taking a step forward, but Deontay is definitely the separator there. So, you know, getting, getting, I guess, getting Deontay back, maybe we'll, we'll see if it helps pick it, but I, you know, I think we've got to be, you know, pretty bearish on him at this point. Jake, if you got anything that by all means go for it, but otherwise we can move on and talk about our stand this week. Uh, I know you have a lean as far as uh, Thursday night. Thursday night football is going down. That's happening. Uh, we have Jacksonville versus the Saints. What do you got for me? Yeah, so I think there's one wide receiver in particular, and I know Graham agrees, whose props are just ridiculously mispriced for Thursday night football. Um, I'll especially be looking at some of his alt receiving yards props. But, um, yeah, we can talk about that more in a little bit. All right. Well, I think that's where we're at. I mean, did, I, did I miss something here in the show sheet? I believe we're uh, on that, are we not? The DFS, Did I first, skip something? right? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk DFS first here. Oh, you know what? Did Britt set me up for not success? I, I have that. <laughs> I'm going to blame that one on Britt, but we can talk DFS for sure. <laughs> but all right, I'm throwing Britt. Uh, I'm throwing Britt under the bus. Uh, I, if you guys want to talk this uh, DFS slate by all means. I don't really. I'm not super excited yeah. about it. We're all dealing with the same player pool for sure. Uh, it is pretty gross here, Jake, and obviously we're waiting for some injuries and stuff to develop, but. On a Tuesday night, what what, what are you seeing DFS-wise that, uh, that appeals to you? Yeah, so, you know, I write the DFS First Look article, which comes out uh, Tuesday uh, over at FantasyPoints.com. And one of the first things that jumped out to me was Jordan Love and Christian Watson against this Broncos defense. Profiles as, you know, just a really great blow-up spot. Watson at only 5,600. We know how explosive he is. The Denver Broncos have allowed the most plays of 20 or more yards of any NFL team. And the Denver Broncos are bottom six in pressures per game. Jordan Love playing with a great offensive line. And I've noted multiple times on shows that unpressured dropbacks are worth 63% more fantasy points than a pressured dropback. And, you know, Jordan Love isn't going to be under pressure. It may not matter a ton if he isn't that good um, because, you know, he's, he's going to have all day to throw. And Christian Watson will probably be open downfield. So that really stood out to me. I also think Josh Jacobs profiles as a smash play against the Bears. We, we love targeting um, uh, Jacobs in games where the Raiders are heavily favored. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo looking pretty iffy. I think they could get put even more usage on Jacobs' plate. And he's already top three in running back usage. Um, beyond that, I, I think if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, you could argue Michael Mayer is an interesting punt at just 2,700. He saw a massive increase in route share. He was locked in a, a pretty, pretty serious committee with Austin Hooper beforehand, but a 67% route share last week actually had more targets than Devontae Adams. Um, can't bank on that going forward, but the route share will probably stick given that he is a young guy, you know, highly touted tight end coming out of the draft. And then I got a galaxy brain play that I wanted to throw out there, obviously Tuesday, but Latavius Murray is a little interesting at 4,400 with Damian Harris, extremely questionable uh, dealing with a neck injury and a concussion. I look, I understand it's Latavius Murray. Some of Damian Harris's usage will go to James Cook, but inside the 10 yard line, Harris and Murray were earning about 80% of the Bills carries in the backfield. Um, and most of those should go to Latavius Murray in a game that should be a blowout against New England. Latavius Murray has multi-touchdown upside here, um, and he'll, he'll probably be 1% owned. Obviously, you know, need to see how the rest of the week unfolds. But 
uh, an interesting, interesting play. I thought, um, you know, for, for galaxy brain people thinking about that stuff on Tuesday. He's four, four on DK. Uh, like the, the Rams guys are four K Zach Evans is four K Royce Freeman's four K. Um, Henderson is not even in the player pool on DK for what it's worth. If he gets a run there with the Rams, um, Roshan Johnson, if he gets cleared, I think it's probably the, the most popular option there at yeah. four, six on DK. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking cooks, uh, is kind of sort of somewhat interesting, but he's probably going to be fairly popular under the assumption that Harris is going to be out. I kind of like him spoiler alert later on from a, uh, prize picks perspective later on in the show. Uh, if you have any thoughts on that, Graham, by all means go for it. And, uh, did you have did you, did you fire off your take for DFS? I believe you did not. Yeah, yeah. Roshan, I think, will be the mega chalk if he gets cleared. He should yeah. get cleared. That, that's kind of been the protocol this year. Is like once those guys, you know, get into the league's concussion protocol, they miss a game, but then they're they're cleared for the second game. Uh, Deontay Foreman was the lead of the split last week with Darrington Evans. It kind of went how I thought. I didn't I didn't think Foreman would just come out and just get this like blowout role and he didn't. I, I it'll still be some sort of rotation, but I would imagine Roshan would be the lead of that. Um yeah my my favorite play on the slate right now again it's Tuesday but I, I think this will hold the whole week is Isaiah Pacheco at 6100. Um you know he's one of the few that's actually consolidating touches and he's got a really, really strong role. You know, he's battling through a couple of injuries during the preseason uh, weeks one through three was kind of in a, you know, little bit of a, a backfield committee with CEH and Jared McKinnon uh, last three weeks though. It's been all Pacheco. He's gotten nearly 70% of the backfield XFP. We just typically don't see that from one player out of the chief's backfield. Uh, it's just a, a really, really strong, spot here for the you know obviously for the chiefs against the chargers too one of the few games we're expecting a some point total uh some higher point total here this week 48 and a half uh, this game would typically be like 52 and a half i think in, in past years so we're seeing the books wisely kind of bump down these totals especially with the chiefs defense playing so much better but yeah that kind of also brings me back to pacheco good game script and he's gotten 10 of the chiefs 12 carries inside the 10 yard line this season so really strong touchdown upside um, other than that i think this is a, a really really gross slate in general uh, uh we were talking at the top you know the 1 p.m slate's pretty bad i kind of do like washington and the giants uh just from like a gross shootout perspective sam howell's only 5500 and i think he's been like super predictable from just like a matchup standpoint smashed against the bears for 29 put up 22 against the broncos or 21 uh, this is a really good spot against the Giants. You know, they're going to blitz him. He's going to take sacks, but, you know, Howe's going to – he'll scramble and uh, and connect on a few big plays. It's also really easy to stack. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, all cheap. Uh, and then on the Giants side, I think you can just bring it back with Barkley or no bring back. I think Howell and all these dudes are, are cheap enough. And this 1 p.m. slate's gross enough. Uh, I think Howell makes some sense if you're doing what Jake does or, or playing the 1 p.m. Or, or, you know, 1 p.m. only or afternoon only. I, I do like – Washington a little bit. Oh, Dean, I think you're muted. Is that a oh, my apologies? Oh, geez, I'm just no moving it up. Back. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that a mistake that I'm making by not playing the 1 p.m. slates? Because there's not a lot of specific 1 p.m. content and a lot. Yeah, everybody, all the sharps are in the main slate, and maybe that's a that's an interesting angle. Obviously, you're talking about the games are really really gross. Yeah, but, um, I, th I think yeah. it makes sense to get like different exposure if you're playing a lot, right? Like if you're, um, 
if you if you're just putting in 10 lineups from Maine, this probably doesn't apply to you. But I think it makes sense if you're trying to get a lot down, you know, in general, because you're you're just going to be facing a lot of different lineups. It'll kind of smooth out variance. And especially in weeks like this, where like the 4 p.m. slates way better, like vis-a-vis the 1 p.m. slate, I think it does make some sense. Yeah, I think yeah. You, you just want to get a lot of volume down to, to recognize your edge, realize your edge. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. And I also think you could argue, especially at lower stakes, that, you know, something like the 1 p.m. slate's a lot softer. No one really does, like, ownership projections for 1 p.m. only. Yep. You know, there's, like like you mentioned, Dean, there's no, like, focused content about it. So, um, yeah, I think there are some, some pretty great edges in 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. only that maybe don't exist on the main slate. Jake, another thing that people don't really focus on, and they probably should, and they're doing it you know, in their own little world, but not a lot of content for it, uh, and you got to be proactive. Uh, you know, six early games, four late games, a lot of late games to play with. And how do you do this as far as babysitting your lineup? So I'm not sure if there's somebody that makes like you know three entry max single entry guy. You're running at 150, but like based upon how your one o'clock lineups are doing, how do you adjust or babysit your four o'clock lineups? Is that something that you pay special attention to? Um, generally I won't, I won't be changing, uh, you know, much in my 4 PM only lineups, even if I'm, you know, crushing or getting crushed on, um, on 1 PM, I'd say it's, it's, you know, it's generally just, um, trying to fire off the best teams I can for that specific slate. Um, do you, do you have anything like particular in mind for, for that? I didn't frame that right. What I meant was like on a main slate where the main uh, slate has six early games and four late games, mm. uh, and say like your one o'clock games are going nuts. They're going great. Or they're doing terrible. Uh, how do you adjust accordingly as far as what's left to try to salvage? And, you know, uh, if you're getting crushed, maybe, maybe you can get like 10% of your buy-in back if things go well. Yeah. Yeah. So generally, I mean, if you're, if you're crushing, if things are looking good, you're just going to want to pivot to the, the highest projected players you can and, yeah. you know, try to maximize your win equity. And if, you know, if things are going South, you're going to want to get, um, you know, really Weird. creative with, yeah. um, you know, who you're, who you're playing. And I honestly, I think the best slates to take advantage of that are like playoff slates um, I hate to bring up spring football, but spring football slates are great too because you have these gaps in between games where you can really dial down on, you know, who your opponents are likely playing, where you are on the leaderboard relative to everyone else's uh, projected minutes remaining, and make optimal swaps. Um, in those situations, you know, we only have a, a small window to make swaps on, you know, a traditional main slate. So that's generally the hardest part, especially if you're running out a lot of teams. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is the one. Oh, that yeah. really, that's yeah, that, that, one. that's the time that really take advantage of. It. There's a typically like a half hour, an hour or so, and you can sort of backload. And if you're locked in, like you said, just, just pivot, pivot to the best plays, play the best plays and come at me. And you know, you, you gotta, you gotta take a different angle if you're going to chase me down. Um, is this what we're going to talk about Thursday night, Jake? I believe we are, right? Um, I think we got the, we got the Ticketmaster read and then the tools, and then we will get to the Thursday night bets. <laughs> Brits. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me the wrong order i'm throwing brit brit underneath uh jerome bettis throw him under the bus it's all his fault but yeah let's talk let's tell you guys about Ticketmaster. if you're not aware Ticketmaster, more memories are made uh when you're there for live nfl action and when you need tickets Ticketmaster, they got you covered as the official marketplace of the nfl Ticketmaster, they give you more ways to find your perfect seat their interactive seat map gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans happen to change Ticketmaster, they give you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets, they make getting in the game on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your favorite team's colors. Find tickets today, Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. All right, we're going to fire up the screen share, show off the uh, the fantasy sport, the fantasy points tool 
And uh, let's go with uh, Graham. Are you ready? You good to go? You want to show off some offensive line, defensive line stuff for us? Sure. Yeah. So this is uh, the one stop shop that you need for all data in the trenches. So what we do is we have adjusted yards before contact. Um, it sounds fancy, but it's really not. All we're doing is taking out scrambles and throwaways. Uh, basically, just any play that the running uh, running back was actually running with the ball. It's, that's what we're looking at, uh, or the quarterback was off on his own read. Uh, we also have a couple cool stats. We, we're off, we're tracking obviously just pressure rate. Uh, force. We're also tracking pressure rate over expectation. Uh, that factors in a number of different angles, like time to throw. Uh, it's super important in today's NFL. You know, Tua is getting the ball off uh, an extremely high, extremely quick rate and throwing deep. So we're adjusting for that. Uh, at the top, Jake, you know, we've got uh, Monday night football, or excuse me, Sunday night football, Eagles, Dolphins. Yeah, Sunday night. Uh, Eagles are in a good bounce back spot for sure. DeAndre Swift got shut down on the ground. The one matchup I want to talk about for main slate, though, in the rushing tool is uh, this Bears offensive line. I don't know if I've ever seen them rank this high in our rush grade. Uh, if you take out, obviously, Eagles, Dolphins, Sunday night, they were basically have the highest rush grade uh, on the slate. Uh, Bears off uh, run blocking has been a little better this season, but really this is just a really good spot against the Raiders uh, front. Besides Max Crosby, there's really no one creating disruption among that front seven right now. So if we do get Roshan Johnson at 4,600, I think this is a really, really good spot for him. Uh, and I did want to note too, I, I, I think I, I noted in the DFS section, I, I like that Commanders-Giants game. Uh, Commanders also have a really good rush grade this weekend. Uh, Brian Johnson, uh, Brian, Brian Johnson, ACD singer. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> Brian Robinson. He's uh, in a little bit of a timeshare. I think he's more of just game script dependent though. And I like the commanders to, to come out and, and have a good game offensively against the Giants. Good rush grade uh, for their offensive line this week. Giants have really, really struggled on the ground to start this season. So I, I do like Brian Robinson quite a little uh, a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, I really like Robinson too, especially just because this is probably a game Washington wins. He's at, you know <laughs> he's averaging about 20 fantasy points per game and wins this year, and I think nine and a half in losses. Very win-loss sensitive. Uh, Graham, just a quick question as far as Chicago and that you know, the running a – the, the advantage they, they look like they looks like they have. If Tyson Badgen is the quarterback, so it looks like it's gonna be like how do how do we quantify that? How do we how much does that hurt? Uh because theoretically, I don't think there's a huge threat of Tyson Badgen uh the throw for 300 yards. The defense knows that the Raiders theoretically are gonna stack the box. Is that sort of baked into the numbers or is there a way to quantify that? Or it's how, how do we know? Like you, you know like the kind of a human element to it i suppose yeah yeah there's definitely a lot more human element especially in their their this run game is going to be a lot different too i mean there's so many things that fields does in terms of just you know making uh edge defenders think twice before crashing down so i mean this this bears run offense is, is definitely going to look different i think just from a volume perspective though like the, the bears like know their one path to winning is, is trying to get the ground game going and you know the raiders have been pretty bad up front uh like i said besides crosby so I think the one thing that, you know, maybe the efficiency won't be as good with fields under center compared to Badgent, but uh, volume should be there. I mean, Bears are, I'm expecting Bears just come out and run it. You know, Badgent was put in a rough spot. They're down, you know, basically two scores. It felt like 10, though, the way that game was playing against <laughs> the Vikings this last weekend. Uh, so, yeah, he was put in a tough spot. I'm expecting them, you know, come out and try and run it here. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Jake, what do you, what do you want to show off to the people? Yeah, so I will be showing off the bell cow report. I mean, I think this is 
arguably the most important report overall in the Fantasy Points data suite. Um, easily one of my favorites. Uh, we're just going to keep it pretty simple here. Look at usage over the last three weeks of the season. Um, and more. Yo. So, I mean, this is just expected fantasy points per game over the last three weeks. How many fantasy points would you expect an average player to score, um, you know, on this specific player's workload? What stands out to me here, DeAndre Swift, RB6 in expected fantasy points per game over the last three weeks. I had a note before uh, last week's slate that he's claimed about 85% of the Eagles inside the 10 snaps since week two when he really started to emerge here. I mean, I think the big games for Swift – are certainly coming. And then Saquon Barkley in his first game back led all running backs in week six with 23.9 expected fantasy points. Very encouraging. I mean, you know, you could argue that we would probably expect Saquon to fall below his expectation with the way this Giants offense is playing right now, but it's certainly encouraging to see the awesome workload. Um, and then we're going to do one of my favorite filters. Obviously there's a ton of ways you can, you know, work with the bell cow report. One of my favorite filters is just this yards to goal filter. Um, and I like to look at red zone usage, obviously can also filter down inside the 10, inside the five, a lot of customization you can do here. Um, but I like to look at red zone usage and I know we're going to talk about some Thursday night props a little later. And one of the things that immediately stood out to me is that over the last three weeks, Alvin Kamara has claimed 53% of team expected fantasy points inside the red zone, better than Christian McCaffrey, better than Saquon Barkley, better than everyone. Kamara's usage overall is fantastic, and his red zone usage is probably a little underrated given the way things are looking right now. Um, and then there's a guy in Rashad White who's always popping in snap share, always popping in route share. His salary on DraftKings keeps decreasing. He's down to 5,100 now. And Graham, I'm just wondering, when is Rashad White finally going to be a good play? Because yeah. the usage hasn't quite been there, but the snaps and routes certainly are. Yeah, I know. I, I wanted to, to hype up Rashad on the show. I mean, he's now down to 5,100, like you said. Uh, there are only two teams, Jake, in the NFL that have not given up a rushing touchdown this week, this season. Uh, the Falcons are one of them. I, that was shocking to me. Uh, maybe we can bank on a little bit of like regret. That's, that's the big thing. I mean, it's like there's just not a whole lot of explosive plays in this run game. And we need, we need White to get, you know, some, some goal line opportunities. So hopefully, Hopefully he gets there this weekend. You know, Bucks are favored. You know, this is probably one of the best spots he's had as of late. He's just had so many tough run matchups. And last week, you know, you and I were talking about it on our show, like Rashad was popping as like a projected value, but we were like, nah, like this is such a tough spot. Lions run defense is legit. I do think Atlanta's run defense is, is pretty good, but they're not as good as Detroit. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I, um, you're, you're definitely spot on when you say not a lot of explosive runs. I was looking through some team <laughs> rushing stats earlier. I was putting today. it kindly. I was putting it very kindly about Rashad Tampa Bay, 0% explosive run rate this year. The only team without an explosive run. That's pretty brutal. But, you know, at the same time, Rashad White still getting on the field, um, you know, in the red zone. You got to think a big game will come eventually. And, you know, maybe with another bad game this week, we'll get a sub 5K Rashad White seeing 80% of the snaps. That would be pretty interesting from a DFS perspective. Did I miss it? What qualifies as an explosive run? It's 15 or more yards. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> I was thinking 20. So nobody's yeah, that's 15 brutal, yards. dude. Yeah, oh my good. god. That's that's yeah. pretty brutal. Hey, can I go off script for a second? The other side of that game, Atlanta, Ritter. Uh, I think Ritter was the quarterback on the Millie Maker winning lineup last week. Uh some cheap pairings. London was pretty good. Pitts was all right. Even Johnny Smith. This is a dude that like wasn't passing the ball to start the season. Now what back to back 300 yards? 
Uh, is that just kind of small sample nonsense or is this going to sort of change going forward? Do we think Ritter is somebody, I don't want to say trust, but like, is he usable? He's still super, super cheap. I want him in the dome. He's not in the dome. He's in Tampa, but as a general yeah. thought, Graham, it doesn't sound like I'm just, I'm just asking. Is Ritter, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I wanted, I'll give credit where it's due. He played well in week five against Houston. Uh, he played not, not so hot against Washington. I mean, 47 attempts to get to 300 yards. He threw three picks. Rewatching that game, I think he should have thrown five. Uh, you know, that was, that was to me just a, a volume driven game. I, I think if Atlanta wants to, you know, seriously contend in the NFC South, they've got to take a chance and, and maybe start Heineke at some point because, I mean, Ritter, yeah, Ritter was just not – he's really played one truly good NFL game across what what are we at, 10 starts now, you know, across his NFL career. And, I mean, Jake is basically Desmond Ritter's number one hater. Uh, yeah. He's oh. a Cincinnati Bearcat. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's, I don't I don't think he's, he's ever going to say a kind word about Ritter. But, you know, I did want to give credit where it's due. You know, two weeks ago he played well. Rewatching the game last week, that was – it was painful. That was a volume-driven, like, get Drake London the ball in contested catch situations. At least, yeah, hey, I'm I will not. give him credit for this team. At least, at least he's throwing to his good players now. Like, at least we're just getting targets to London and Pitts. You know, we're <laughs> we're getting Matt Collins the hell out of there, so that's nice. Yeah, I, I'm not obviously not a not a big Ritter fan. I I don't think he has much of a career in the NFL beyond being a backup quarterback. But you know, it is worth noting that his three best games from a fantasy perspective, his three games over 22 DraftKings points, have all come in his highest in Atlanta's highest pass rate over expectation games. And Tampa Bay so far this year has been the number one pass funnel, allowing a plus 7.7% pass rate over expectation. That's a great point. Yeah. So maybe you could make an argument. I mean, I think if he drops back enough, you know, the, the stacks are cheap enough, the players he's throwing to are talented enough, you could certainly make an argument for him in GPPs. Um, but really, I, I didn't expect, you know, Desmond Ritter throughout all of college and throughout, you know, his early pro games was really just a game manager. And I thought his number one skill was not turning the ball over. He seems to have shifted towards, you know, being a lot more aggressive passing the ball. And now he's looking a bit more like Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I didn't think was in his range of outcomes at all. Um, but also, you know, I wouldn't put it past Arthur Smith to just do whatever he can to take the ball out of this guy's hands and, you know, go extremely run heavy. Because I don't think Atlanta wants Desmond Ritter dropping back 35 or 40 times a game. All right. Uh, some early week bets from a sportsbook perspective. Uh, Britt is on vacation, but he did. Uh, he was able to text me. He let me know what he put in the show sheets. Uh, he's a very big fan of the Rams. The Rams at home, minus three versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh coming back from the bye. That's his favorite pick. They're, the NFL or Vegas is basically saying these teams are the same. They're the same. You're getting two and a half, three points for the home field. Uh, Rams with three points at dogs. Uh, he's Britt saying running backs don't matter. I know number one running backs hurt, number two running backs hurt, uh, whatever. Zach Evans, Royce Freeman, sure, why not? Miles Gaskin. Whatever you're throwing in there as far as the Rams, uh, Britt likes the Rams minus three. Uh, Graham, who do you have as far as uh, an early sports book take? Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm tailing Britt on Rams at three. That <laughs> one stuck out to me too. Uh, I, I think it makes some sense. Maybe it, maybe it feels a little like too easy. Yeah. Um, it, it really does, honestly. Uh, I will say uh, another team I like at three, but on the other side is Lions plus three. Um, I, I kind of like them straight up. I'm just going to take the points. The Lions are six and two against the spread as road dogs over the last two years. Jared Goff is playing really, really well. And, you know, that's a team, again, without the running backs. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be back, though. So that's kind of huge here. Uh, Lions uh, getting the run game going uh, for Goff. But Goff is playing really well. Uh, Monroe St. Brown's fully healthy now, clearly, after last week's blow up game. They're going to get Jamison Williams more involved. 
I think Lions are just a better team, so I'm backing Lions at at three here. Jake, what do you got? Um, yeah, so I got a couple props for Thursday night football. Alvin Kamara to score a touchdown is plus 130 over at Caesar Sportsbook. Already touched on his outstanding red zone usage. He's also third among all running backs and expected fantasy points per game inside the 10. He's first overall in running back usage, and he's averaging half an expected touchdown per game, which probably puts the true odds here between plus 100, minus 110. Um, I think you're getting a pretty good deal at plus 130 over at Caesars. And I love Chris Olave, over 59 and a half receiving yards. I believe that's over at Bet Rivers. A lot of other sites are, you know, 61, 62 right now. I think that's going to keep getting steamed as we get closer to kickoff. He's averaging 99 and a half receiving yards per game in non-blowouts with a healthy Derek Carr. So that excludes week four where Derek Carr was hurt, week five where they blew out the Patriots. He's also averaging 136.3 air yards per game in those contests as well. His usage in those games, guys, better than Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill over the full season. Absolutely insane stuff we're seeing from Olave with a healthy car. And I think the big games are going to follow. Um, alongside that, you could also look for Olave, you know, 90 plus receiving yards, 100 plus receiving yards once some of those alt props go up, because I do think there's a pretty good tail um, on Chris Olave receiving yards. All right, fantasy pick and plays. Uh, that, that's what we're going to close out with. I went ahead and used the uh, the Roto Grinders Fantasy Pick'em and Prize Picks tool uh, to help me kind of guide. And these are some plays I actually liked as well. So I got three. They're all currently on Prize Picks. Tuesday night, it's a little tricky. It's kind of hard to find uh, a lot of lines out there, but Prize Picks had this stuff posted. I got three overs. I know overs are for suckers, but uh, I got Lamar, Lamar Jackson, over 45 and a half rushing yards versus Detroit. Uh, Tua, Tua going to be pushed this week versus Philadelphia over 282 and a half passing yards. Theoretically, he will be throwing for four quarters. Should be a high and tight game there with Philly. And then James Cook over 53 and a half rushing yards versus New England. I'm thinking, I'm guessing Harris won't play this week. Maybe he gets a little bit more. Yes, the Prada UCF Latavius Murray might get some run as well, especially inside the 10. But I have some James Cook over 53 and a half. I will throw it to Graham. Some, uh, some winners for the people when it comes to fantasy pick them plays. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, I'm out here in Colorado, so I can't even see the boards anymore. They've they've uh, they've completely <laughs> oh, banned you can't me see from them all. Yeah, they can't even see. Uh, they won't even let me see the boards anymore, Jake. It's unbelievable. Uh, they're That's getting tough. yeah, they're seeing they're getting a lot of uh, regulatory you know whatever is going on right now. Yeah. So. Well, you got a lot of I, sports books though, right? In Colorado, you got yeah, a sports I, book known to man out there because I was out there for a bit and I signed up for everything, got all the bonuses and yeah, uh, the, you oh, price picks baby. you can't partake. The bonuses, man, that those sign-up bonuses are nice. Uh, yeah, man, I, I I gave out a lava in our betting Discord over 59 and a half. Love that play. I think on prize picks, you can uh, probably pair that with Derek Carr. His overs, I think we're like two, 232 and a half. He's fully healthy now, yeah. throwing deep at the highest rate in the NFL. And the Jags have a legitimately great run defense, like a really, really good one. Um, bottom five by yards per carry allowed. Uh, and no Tyson Campbell. Uh, Jags, one of their better corners, is going to probably miss this game. He has a hamstring injury, so we're we're all over Olave. And I think on Price Picks, it's, it'd be really sharp to pair that with uh, an over on their car. I think uh, you guys could tell me better, but what are, what was Car open at? Like twenty two and a half, two hundred twenty two and a half, something like that. Maybe two thirty and a half Price Picks. So I don't uh, have love a that with Olave. Front of me. Uh, yeah. take, take me a second, maybe I can find it. But otherwise, two thirty nine and a half on Underdog right now. Okay. That's higher than the books, then. Damn. They've been they've been steaming a little more to overs. I've noticed on the um, the pickup sites. 
Yeah, well, everybody bets the overs. That's why, Jake. I would, I would be curious to know. I, I bet you on prize picks, like seventy-five percent of the tickets are on overs most of the time, and that should be. Oh, it might be more than that, but yeah, it's probably it should it should be closer to fifty-fifty. But yeah, everybody loves the overs. Who likes rooting for like you know fumbles and you know three-yard carries? It's not a lot. You know, you want touchdowns. Points are are fun. Offenses is fun. I, I never root for injuries, but like my favorite thing to happen when somebody gets hurt is like I go on Twitter. And like you know, everybody is like, "Oh, this guy got hurt in the second quarter. Refund. This is BS." Oh. And it's like, "What? Well, do you want the site oh. to just pay out the over and the under? Because a lot of whoever bet the under one, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. But uh, it's a uh, there's a lot of obligation. People feel like uh, you know, it's rigged, which is always a fun one too. People just love the wine, Dean. I yeah, think that's really, really what it do. is. If you lose, you love the wine. That's what it is. Yeah, just lose, like yeah. just take it, take the L. You know, Move it stinks, on. but that's what you're signing up for when you're betting the over. That's part of the yep. gig. That's the reason why the number is the number. All right, uh, Jake, what do you have as far as uh, are you? Do you have access? Do you have access to uh, the lines? I think you do. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm, I'm here in Georgia, so we got all the all the pickup sites, but no sports books, unfortunately. Um, these are over at Underdog. I got Olave over 62 and a half. Already covered that one. I, I like that up to 65 and a half. Um, I think that's a really strong prop. Christian Watson over 50 and a half. He had a 70 percent air yard share last week. 50 percent of wow. Green Bay's receiving yards, um, and they're going up against Denver. So. Feels like a pretty easy one to me. Tyree Kill over 96 and a half receiving yards to me, especially outside of the division. Tyree Kill double digit receiving props are just an automatic smash the over. He's on pace to have the greatest receiving season of all time. And you know, I think he will as long as he stays healthy. Um, and then I got an under Mac Jones under 195 and a half passing yards. He's gone under 195 in two of his last three games. Buffalo is also the strongest schedule adjusted defense for opposing passers and Mac Jones carries some real benching risk in this game. So really like his under there. I think that's a little too high. I got Christian Kirk over 51 and a half, another Thursday night play. Uh, Kirk has gone over 51 in four of his last five games. New Orleans is particularly weak against the slot this season. And Doug Peterson being a pretty great coach, is notorious for playing matchups. I think they feed Christian Kirk. Doesn't look like Zay Jones is going to be active for this one. So like Christian Kirk overs again. Jake, is this the week that those that drafted a Christian Watson really, really high in best ball and season long? This is the week you're pointing to. You, you got to get paid off now. Otherwise, it's never going to happen, right? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm one of those people. I have a ton of Christian Watson exposure. I know, you know a, I lot of, a lot of the advanced metrics <laughs> absolutely love Christian Watson coming into the season. One of our, one of our uh, you know, star writers, Ryan Heath, was really hyping up Christian Watson. So I, yeah, I think this has got to be the week. If we don't, you know, we don't see 20 plus DraftKings points from Watson, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. And I know my best ball teams will be too. Yeah. He was going like what 35th or so. Is that sound about right? in best ball when, by the time of the season was starting, yeah, he, was... he got, he got steamed in the, the high thirties. He was in May. He, he was a great pick in May. If you're oh, yeah. you know best ball grinder in May, he was going in the fifties. That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, he got steamed into the thirties. I guess he was a bad pick in the fifties too, but yeah, man, he's going to put Christian <laughs> Watson week. It's, it's Christian Watson week. It, it has to be, this is the process here. versus results, right? Score. Well, we'll see. This is the week that we've been playing for, for sure. Like theoretically, you should be able to take advantage of Denver. And also it's, Hey, you're getting a discount in the price. It's got kind of baked in there. Five, uh, 5.6 K on DK. Looks like a really, really good play. All right. We are up against the clock. We do appreciate you all listening to the Prime Points Show here, week number seven. Uh, thanks to Britt for letting me jump in here. Before we step aside and get out of here, I do want to let the people know, where can they find you, the Twitters, the social, tell them about the site. Graham, you go first. Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Graham Barfield. As always, uh, we have free trials available 
at fantasypointsdata.com. So if you're uh, in the market playing DFS, uh, definitely check out our data suite for free. Free trial, again, you'll just uh, sign up for free, seven-day seven free trial, get you in there. Uh, make sure you check that out. Mid-season, man, we got six weeks of data now. It's uh, it's it's The data suite is better than it's ever been at this point. We got you know six weeks of data. Most teams have played at least five games. Uh, every team's played at least five games, excuse me. So, yeah, now's the time. Data suite, get in for free. Check it out. Get in all the tools as you're setting your DFS lineups, and I promise you, you'll never, never want to go back. Jake? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Twitter, uh, at Jake Tribby. And, you know, I got three DFS articles that come out every week over at fantasypoints.com. Also do the, uh, you know, one of the, the best DFS shows around in, in Cashing Points every Friday night with Graham and uh, the fantastic CEO of Fantasy Points, Scott Barrett. Um, so, yeah, you can find all my stuff over at, at fantasypoints.com and definitely take advantage of the, you know, the free trials over with the data suite because um, stuff should not be free. This data is way too good to be free. All right, that is, that is it. That'll do it. We do appreciate y'all listening. Hit the like button if you guys watching us on YouTube. Like, subscribe, turn on the notifications, do all those things. Hit all the buttons. You can follow me at DFS underscore Almanac. That was the Prime Points show, week number seven. For Graham, for Jake, for producer Steve, I was Dean. We'll be back next week. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Holler.